you know, I've been going back and forth since the Dobbs v. Jackson ruling was released on June 24th, that Friday morning, about what I was going to say and whether or not it's my place to say anything about this ruling. And fundamentally, after bearing witness and sort of sitting in the gallery on several debates and discussions surrounding it, there is place for much work to be done around the Dobbs v. Jackson ruling and the overturning of Roe v. Wade. As highlighted by people like Olemio Lauren on Rising and also on her illustrious Twitter feed, she's incredibly intelligent, just one of the best follows that you can have on Twitter, just endless gold tier tweets. And, you know, as I have been warning through one of my articles about NSO groups, Pegasus, is that when the fundamental right to privacy, that there is an enclave within society, not just a person's home, but in a person's life, that they can have a lack of scrutiny, whether it be through civil liberties or whether it be criminally in terms of prosecution for certain behaviors. In the most obvious form, it has materialized in the form of Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi and Kentucky and Missouri and South Dakota going about trying Utah as well trying to implement some of them successfully some of them unsuccessfully as there are injunctions being placed around the country thank god some of them have been successful if only for a moment now as rachel maddow points out it's knock knock please do you want to start a family or have your first child or maybe you have a child or children already you'd like to have one more Mazel tov, congratulations. It is a beautiful thing. Everybody with a heart wishes you all the best. In this country, though, now, the decision tree for you is much more complex than it was before. Now, obviously, most wanted pregnancies are safe and straightforward, and they end with the happiest possible news. But sadly, many don't. Because of what the court did today, if, God forbid, you have a miscarriage— in your pregnancy. Now, in some states, that will be more than a personal tragedy. That will be a matter of public record and potentially public investigation. Your miscarriage will be viewed as a potential crime. Are you suspected of having induced that miscarriage? Did the police want to talk to you about some questions they have about whether somebody else might have induced it for you? I mean, how do, how do you plan to prove that it happened on its own in the natural course? How can you prove it? These officers are going to need to speak with you. I mean, think about how that gets enforced. Think about the relationship between American women and the government in this environment. How do authorities know if you've miscarried in the first place? What if somebody heard you were pregnant or they thought you might be pregnant and now it seems like you're not? How is that investigation conducted? How is the state government in your state, how are your police locally going to check to see if maybe you had been pregnant and now you're not. And did you just commit a felony? 
In some states, even if the complication in your pregnancy is a risk to your health, if continuing to carry the pregnancy could injure you, doctors in some states will be forced to stand by and deliberately inflict that risk on you by forcing you to keep the pregnancy going against your will because otherwise they will face jail. What does that do in the relationship between you and your doctor? What does that do, again, to the relationship between you as an American woman and your government? If you have the kind of complication in your pregnancy where the pregnancy is not viable, where the baby cannot live, in some states, you may now be forced by the state government under threat of criminal prosecution to nevertheless carry the non-viable pregnancy to term. Think about how that gets enforced. Think about what that means about the relationship between you as an American citizen and your government that is forcing that out of you. Today starts an era of very, very, very big government, where it's the government that decides if you're going to have a baby or not, where it's the government that is in charge of your pregnancy. For women who have an unwanted, unplanned pregnancy, the nightmare is here. In many ways, though, it is also here now for any woman who wants a child, who wants to have a baby, and now. I mean, until today, this was an area of life in which we had some privacy to make our own decisions. Now, at least for now, in Republican-controlled states, it's the police. It's the state. Knock, knock. Your neighbor informed us. Your job informed us. Your church informed us that you may have been pregnant. It looks like you may have been pregnant. And it looks like you haven't carried to term. And if you're not carrying to term and abortion is illegal where you live, uh, that is a matter for the police to investigate. In places like Texas now, in places like Kentucky, in places like Missouri, in places like Iowa, it has become increasingly clear that there is going to be a game of the public authorities, investigative authorities, who have the power of arrest to go about investigating cases of women who do not carry to term. This is going to mean a sea change, not just in terms of, as Rachel Maddow put it, the interaction between women and their government, the United States government. What that means is that all of our relationships are changed. Women are the majority of the population in the United States. And so this idea that eliminating the choice for women to be able to make a choice about what their bodies do, about how they plan their families. As Nancy Pelosi said on Friday in an otherwise abhorrent speech, and we will get to that. That there has always been recalcitrance against 
family planning of any kind in the Democratic caucus and in Congress in general. What this means to women is such an insult. It's a slap in the face to women about using their own judgment to make their own decisions about their reproductive freedom. And again, it goes well. I always have said the termination of a pregnancy is just their opening act. It's just their front game. But because, but beyond, behind it, and for years, I have seen in this Congress opposition to any family planning, domestic or global, when we have had those discussions and those debates and those votes on the floor of the House. We cannot allow them to take charge so that they can institute their goal, which is to criminalize reproductive freedom, to criminalize it. Right now, they're saying in states that they can arrest doctors and all the rest. What is happening here? What is happening here? A woman's fundamental health decisions are her own to make in consultation with her doctor, her faith, her family, not some right-wing politicians that Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell packed the court with. While Republicans seek to punish and control women, Democrats will keep fighting ferociously to enshrine Roe v. Wade into law of the land. AOC and several other Democrats point out that this is really the first time that Democrats have elected a pro-choice majority. And so now we come upon a president, President Joe Biden, who we all knew from the Democratic primary was not up to the challenge of defeating Donald Trump in any normal circumstances, period. Democrats could, Democrats could barely impeach the man for holding hostage duly allocated funds by Congress to Ukraine. We all remember specifically the Russiagate stuff came to a head in that Donald Trump was alleged to have withheld aid to Volodymyr Zelensky and the Ukrainian government on the condition that they provide politically inconvenient news about Joe Biden and particularly his son, Hunter Biden. This was a part of an ongoing scheme by the Republicans to counter the Russiagate narrative coming out of Congress. And so now we are in a position where we have the sitting president of the United States, Joe Biden, who is famous for the Biden Amendment which forbids any foreign funding, any foreign aid of the United States government going towards, you guessed it, abortion. The Hyde Amendment. Joe Biden was integral in passing. Joe Biden voted for Anthony Scalia. In 1986, Joe Biden now is in a position where 
he says that he's Catholic and that personally he holds that abortion would be wrong. But in terms of politics, women should have the choice to do so. He is a part of the Obama administration who was in power for eight years and Barack Obama got up on stage and told everybody that one of the first things I'm going to do when I get into office with a Democratic supermajority, 60 seats in the Senate and a majority in the House, what I'm going to do is we are going to codify Roe v. Wade in federal law. Well, the first thing I do as president is, is sign the Freedom of Choice Act. Uh, that's the first thing that I To the hums and the haws and the oops and the ahs and a really, oh, I meant this, all started. And him saying, me passing this legislation isn't my top priority right now. The Freedom of Choice Act is not my highest legislative priority. As a means to constantly chasing something that we'll never achieve. You got to keep voting for us because, you know, those damn Republicans. And, you know, you know, we definitely would. I know we have a majority, but we got some conservative members. And so we need even more power. We need more donations. We need more from the donors. We need more from everyday people. We need more recognition. We want more late night spots. We want more interviews. We want more exclusives. We want more sit downs. We want more. We want more. We want more. We want the focus of national politics to be on us. Us being the Democrats. Democratic leadership, so-called. Particularly on the federal level. Democrats have been pushing this message that they can't do anything and oh gosh, oh golly gee, if it wasn't for this technical little rule in the Senate or, you know, this pesky few House representative members or senators, we'd be able to pass all our agenda. So all you have to do is vote even more for us next time in order for us to overcome the structural deficiencies and anti-democratic devices within American electoral law and the Constitution, i.e. the Electoral College and the Senate, not to mention the modern three-fifths compromise in the form of African-American men who make an outstanding, disproportionate population within the U.S. federal prison system exists within the South. And those people are counted not allowed to vote, but they are counted in the appropriations of how many representative a state will get. And so even now, as many people have pointed out, just to save their jobs, Democrats cannot and will not pass a National Voting Rights Act. It's been almost a decade now since the gutting of the Voting Rights Act by a less conservative court than this one. And Congress has yet to act on that. They have had power now for almost coming up on two years. And people like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema refuse to go about voting to carve out caveats in the filibuster or abolish it outright in order to accomplish Democratic goals because 
those people are fundamentally not interested in having democratic priorities passed. And I want I want everyone to understand that everyone is rightly upset with Kirsten Cinema for the little thumbs down when it comes to the $15 minimum wage. Everyone is rightly upset when it comes to Joe Manchin tanking build back better lying to the face of the president i covered that joe manchin's got a gift for you but at the end of the day even if those senators were not there they're going to be more senators someone like a dick durbin someone like a a tester would come out and say well gosh golly gee you know i really would support that climate provision but you know now i've got this new information there's new questions surrounding it in my district and oh golly gosh gee you know we got to really just bullshit. And that's really what people are getting tired of is the bullshit. And the rubber's starting to meet the road because this is the first time on a Democratic president's watch with a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate, there is a constitutional rollback. The Supreme Court of the United States has vacated not only the fundamental right of women to be able to have agency over their bodies, of trans men capable to have agency over their bodies, of queer people being able to have agency over their bodies, but also shredding the fundamental right to privacy that, of course, I would argue is deeply rooted in the American tradition and found within the concept of ordered liberty. But of course, in Roe v. Wade, founded and based on this fundamental right to privacy is found in the first, the fourth, the fifth, the ninth, and the 14th amendments. And the Supreme Court has vacated those rights. Vacated those rights. And so that now there is no privacy away from the eyes of the state to regulate to come in and be able to, quote unquote, have a vested interest, a public interest in regulating sexual behavior, regulating marriage, regulating what procedures women can go about having. This is wild. And on a democratic trifecta in the elected portions of our constitutional republic on the federal level we are witnessing a rollback of fundamental rights within the united states roe v wade is not just about abortion roe v wade is about the idea that you have the ability and the right to make decisions away from the eyes of the government there are quite a lot of people on the anti-choice side who are going to get quite a rude awakening when they go back home. Not just electorally, which, you know, we may discuss. Because I think fundamentally, the Democratic Party is in for a very rude awakening this upcoming November. If they think that this is going to somehow play into their hands, this is not 2020. COVID has not just broken out. Donald Trump is not in office. Republicans do not control the Senate. It's not going to fly. During the 2020 Black Lives Matter protests throughout May and June, there was a huge uptick by activists in order to get people registered to vote. Yes. But 
as an interview is about to show, women and the Democratic base overall is tired of having every right held hostage, tired of electing, quote unquote, the adults in the room, only for them to turn around and say to you two seconds later that there's nothing that that they can do. Ain't nobody trying to hear none of that shit. And I told you that six, seven months ago. Ain't nobody trying to hear none of that shit. Don't believe me? Um, so I received a text message from Joe Biden's campaign yesterday saying that the Supreme Court had overturned Roe versus Wade and that it was my responsibility to then rush $15 to the Democratic National Party. Um, and I thought that was absolutely outrageous because my rights should not be a fundra- fundraising point for them um, or a campaigning point. Uh, they have had multiple opportunities to codify Roe into law over the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and they haven't done it. And if they're going to keep campaigning on this point, they should actually do something about it. What are you most worried about, Julian? I'm most worried about what comes next, because Roe versus Wade was a precedent for Oberfell versus Hodges, Loving versus Virginia, Irving versus Texas, gay marriage, interracial marriage, and privacy in the bedroom. And those, as Clarence Thomas came out yesterday, they're going to be falling like dominoes. Um, you come from Texas. You're in yes. Austin, Texas. There's a trigger law in place in Austin in 30 days. Yes. Abortion's going to be banned in your state. Abortion has been banned at six weeks in my state since last September which is an essential all-out ban because most women don't even realize they're pregnant before that point. And there are women in Texas who've already died and have already been arrested for having an abortion or a miscarriage because we can't really tell that. And it's coming up now. It's coming up. As I said earlier, you miscarried. You were swelling up a little bit. There are police at your door. They have probable cause probable cause to believe that you had a pregnancy and you didn't carry to term that is a matter not only for the public record but for public investigation an investigator will be in contact with you regarding your lost pregnancy and many people are like oh well you know that's not going to happen oh well you know that's not true oh well you know you're overreacting This has already happened with Roe v. Wade in effect. Cases throughout the South where women are found to have been on drugs, unable to afford prenatal care. And if once born, a child dies or they have a miscarriage of the fetus, they'll be charged with manslaughter or murder. This is not the future. This is today. And along with this, during Pride Month, you know, people like Matt Walsh are out here saying that there could be no better end to Pride Month than the end of Roe v. Wade. Because why do they say that? They read Justice Clarence Thomas's concurring opinion and rightly point to his idea that we should revisit Obergefell v. Hodges, Connecticut v. Griswold, and Lawrence v. Texas. He's coming after same-sex sex and intimacy. He's coming after same-sex marriage. And on top of that, he's coming after contraception. These are all areas that Alito is trying to assure the rest of us that are perfectly safe. Well, we just watched. We just watched them destroy the constitutional basis 
for those three rulings. An idea in the first, the fourth, the fifth, the ninth, and the 14th Amendment that there is not only substantive due process and the idea that people are born equal and that they have immutable characteristics being trans, being queer. And therefore, you cannot have laws that deprive them of substantive due process. Meaning, you cannot make laws that are onerous or discriminatory to those individuals or those communities. You can't ban same-sex sex if it is an immutable characteristic. You can't ban same-sex marriage if being gay is an immutable characteristic. You cannot go about depriving people of the ability to have contraception of any kind because they have a right of privacy away from the eyes of the state to make medical decisions on their own. This is why people like Phyllis Schlafly and the Falwells and the Grahams of old and the Ronald Reagans fought hellaciously against the Equal Rights Amendment. Because they knew how it was worded. They knew better than anyone that if, if the Equal Rights Amendment were passed and Roe v. Wade was still the law of the land, that would effectively end the conversation when it comes to overturning Roe v. Wade. And so now we are in a position where all of these rights are at severe risk. And the Democratic response? God bless America, my home sweet home. These people knew for months, months, years, decades. Some of them voted for Scalia. Looking at you, Joe Biden. Joe Biden and the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearings with Anita Hill. Purposefully, many would argue, sinking Anita Hill's testimony, the claim of sexual harassment and assault by Clarence Thomas. And that laid the groundwork for that to be acceptable to now where Brett Kavanaugh snots and cries and snivels his way and shouts his way through a Supreme Court confirmation hearing. Nobody in their right mind thinks the Honorable Ketanji Brown Jack could go about doing the kind of things that Brett Kavanaugh is to allege to have done, let alone what he did do, the kind of performance he put on in front of Congress. And from Elizabeth Warren to Barack Obama to Joe Biden, to Jim Clyburn, to Steny Hoyer, to Nancy Pelosi, to Chuck Schumer, to Dick Durbin, to Amy Klobuchar, to Kirsten Gillibrand, you name it, have sat around for years and watched as this conservative majority not only invalidated the Voting Rights Act that enables Democrats to win power on the federal level, let alone the state level, which just seems to have been totally abandoned under Barack Obama. 
Fuck a 50-state strategy. I mean, we lucky if we got 13 governors. 15 governors. This goes back to some of my thoughts on the failures of the Democratic Party. Namiki Khan's speech at the Democratic Unity Commission to have a conversation about the idea that we are going to allow damn near a billion dollars to just be lit on fire by the Clinton campaign in 2016. And you got state chairs running around of the Democratic Party with like $3,000 on hand, $5,000 on hand. And in that speech, she was 100% correct. You have an eptoptic pregnancy in Arizona. And now there are legislators in Arizona. Paul Gosar is inside of one of the state houses in Phoenix looking down and recording while there are protesters outside. Phoenix, or Arizona security forces, what I'll call them, fire and tear gas into a peaceful crowd on the 24th of June. Madness. And those lawmakers there are touting, touting an over 100-year law that would ban abortion. As she stated, you have an eptoctic pregnancy in Arizona and all of them are shut down. You got to drive to New Mexico. And if you, God forbid, bleed to death on the way, that is on the Democratic Party. And she's 100% right. People are sick of that. Ain't nobody trying to hear none of that shit. It's over. That's done. That time has passed. And if Democrats, particularly Joe Biden, and Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris think that this issue is going to somehow aid them in the upcoming election, you have to be zooted out of your mind to think that that is going to happen, that this is how this is going that that's how this is going to play that out. This is going to help you. And fundamentally, that's all these people can think about is their next commercial, their next job their next exclusive, their next big win. Because they don't have an ideological project that spans 50 years that is hell-bent on repealing and destroying the gains of the civil rights movement and the civil liberties movement that was possible with a Democratic majority in the House and a Warren Supreme Court. And so now we are in a position where we have effectively a hunter who has taken power in the United States government, in the Supreme Court, that is simply issuing edicts saying we're not going to respect the establishment clause of the First Amendment. We don't know of, we don't care about anything having to do with having privacy. We don't see none of that in the Constitution. You don't have a constitutional right to privacy. That's gone. We're going to go about allowing public officials to lead students with public dollars in prayer. That's the world. That's the America they want to see. And it's coming to fruition. And people are fed up.
I do not think this is going to turn out well for Democrats. Joe Biden is still very much so underwater, even with the new NBC Marist poll out on June 27th. Democrats may be up by seven or eight points nationally in terms of congressional elections. I can tell you this right now. Joe Biden is still sitting at 40 percent approval rating. In the Democratic Party, he is lucky to have 80 or 85 percent of the party. Lucky. Normally, his numbers now hover somewhere between 70 to 77 percent. Among African-Americans, his support is now in the 60s. My hypothesis as to why the protests that we're seeing aren't nearly as impactful, as forceful, as large as they were in the summer of 2020 surrounding the death of George Floyd and the rebuke of colonialism and white supremacy is due to the idea that is due to the fact that there is no universal basic income at the moment. That $600 a week in terms of unemployment, that is universal basic income. That provided a backbone. That and mass layoffs and unemployment provided the infrastructure to go about financing, to go about maintaining and carrying out a serious protest movement. And that to this day is why I think they did everything they can to try and cut that back as fast as possible. Because they know it just like we know it. If people were actually able to have income and were free from the boot of private capital saying, I bet not catch you on TV. I bet not catch you being to be bailed out because you were arrested during a peaceful protest. Or the idea of missing work means that you no longer have work. Eviction moratoriums, food being dispersed, all severely lacking in terms of efficacy, but hugely impactful. That is my hypothesis as to why the kind of protests that we are seeing are not nearly as explosive or as large as those protests in the summer of 2020. And that calculation by Democrats to keep people desperate, to keep people on edge, to keep people needing you instead of delivering on a project, delivering on a platform because you fundamentally do not have one if you are in democratic leadership. You are concerned if you are in democratic leadership, if you are democratic leadership with your next job, your next interview, your next exclusive, your next op-ed, your next office, your coalition, your power network. And people no longer want to hear any of that. They're tired of the excuses. They've caught on to the game. And instead of feeling grateful that we have a Democratic House and Senate and a White House to get through legislation that would protect the rights of Roe v. Wade and the rights to privacy, they are disturbed, shocked, and frankly, pissed off at the idea 
that Democrats have not only sat around and done nothing on this issue for decades, if not actively in the case of people like Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Barack Obama of enabling much of the anti-choice agenda, banning federal dollars going towards terminating pregnancies, either here or around the world. The next second that Republicans get power in the United States, in the House and the Senate, doesn't matter if they have the executive branch, they're going to pass a national ban on abortion. Minutes after, minutes after the release of Dobbs v. Jackson, Mike Pence is out there saying we need a national ban on abortion, period. Don't leave it up to the states. People are tired of this. The game is up and it's over. And this decision has exposed the complicity of the Democratic Party in the Republican project. Because fundamentally, these people have shoved out, pushed out, anyone who's actually going to do anything about the problems that we have because they don't have control over the situation. Because you might do something that would harm their millions, their billions, their friend and power networks. They're a bunch of sociopaths. They're a bunch of crazy people who are upset, and particularly in the case of Kamala Harris, who are just obsessed with power. Totally incompetent, according to many reports, Kamala Harris, this is just one person not picking on her in particular, but Kamala Harris, I mean, is an incredibly failed political actor. She was senator from California for like not even a full term. Didn't even get to Iowa in the 2020 Democratic primary. Then was appointed to be vice president and got to be vice president because she was with Joe Biden. And according to reports, she don't like to read, doesn't like to look at the briefs that her staff brings her, constantly berates people when she gets questions and interviews that she should have been prepared for because her staff did their due diligence. Many people compare her to Klobuchar. And this incompetence and this complicity, this constant game, this need for attention in order to go about seeking power that they're not going to do anything with because they fundamentally do not believe in wielding power in a way that will actually lead to material policy outcomes, i.e. codifying Roe v. Wade, i.e. codifying the rights to privacy, codifying Obergefell v. Hodges, codifying Lawrence v. Texas, codifying Connecticut v. Griswold. And nobody, nobody wants to do that anymore. Nobody wants to play into this game anymore. And that is dangerous because what are the Democrats going to do as they become more and more desperate for power? Now, we'll focus on the Republican and Democratic parties, but we're going to end this on what are people going to do? As they get more desperate, as the situation, the economic situation in the country becomes more and more desperate.
But what the Democratic Party is going to do as they become more desperate is really one of the things that concerns me. Because there is a story out today that Joe Biden is throwing up his hands because he, quote unquote, can't fix or solve any of this stuff by himself. The inflationary issue, the supply chain issue, the upcoming recession. He cannot effectuate any of this because he fundamentally does not believe or is unable or unwilling to exercise any executive authority to go about correcting these problems. Asking Congress to give him the same bill that was passed in the early 1970s by that Congress to give Nixon the ability to control prices in the United States. Issuing the executive orders or taking the kind of action or policy positions that would allow him to be able to bring down gas prices. Many people have suggested nationalizing oil companies. That's a great idea. Sure. That is fundamentally not going to solve our problem. These are global inflationary issues based on the fundamentals of incredible uncertainty that, as I've talked about with Dave DeCamp, are due to the West going about implementing this economic project and excluding Russia out of the global economy, laughing and joking, saying they're only 2% of the global economy. That 2% was integral in terms of rare earth minerals, integral in terms of wheat exports, integral in terms of fertilizer exports, integral in terms of agrochemicals, integral in terms of manufacturing chemicals, integral in terms of space technology, integral in terms of crude oil and natural gas. These are fundamentals of the world economy that were just sort of, what are you going to do? Overlooked. As the West launched an economic crusade against Russia for their invasion of Ukraine. And now that they have fundamentally, the West has fundamentally, under the direction of Joe Biden and Boris Johnson, goaded by people like Volodymyr Zelensky, appearing everywhere in the world, asking people to send money to Ukraine, a notoriously corrupt government, because I, within a decade, want to see those receipts. I want to see those. Desperate to find out where the money went. But in launching this economic crusade, they have upended the global economy. The invasion did not, by default, do that. Those were economic and mainly political choices that the Western world made. The United States, Great Britain, and the European Union. Decisions that, quote-unquote, we made. And so he's having to deal with that. And instead of freezing prices, instead of pushing for legislation that would allow him to do that, or instead of actually sicking the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau or the SEC or the FTC or the DOJ on corporate America, he's sitting around in the White House whining that he can't get anything done. And if not, the headline at least reads, then give me someone to blame, which is exactly what he's been doing with this quote unquote Putin's price hike. Nobody is trying to hear none of that shit, bro. And what are they going to do? as they become more and more desperate for power? What kind of policies, what kind of strategies are they going to take 
malevolent or incompetent or both in order to go about trying to maintain power. Because currently, as far as I can see, the plan is to try and electoralize this problem, which is exactly what Roe v. Wade was never supposed to be. It's why we have a constitution. Those rights are not on the ballot. It's not up for debate. We, we've solved that debate. And we're moving forward. But Democrats fundamentally want the same thing that Republicans do. They want it to, quote unquote, be solved at the state level. They see this as an opportunity to retake governor's mansions, state houses, attorney general's offices, mayorships, city councils, legislatures. They see this as an opportunity to make money, to acquire power, and to aggrandize their fame. Republicans, on the other hand, well, we've seen what they've done as they've gotten more and more and more desperate because they continue to be more and more and more extreme. You've got states throughout the country that are banning abortion within hours of the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and Dobbs v. Jackson on June 24th. Missouri, the state that Cori Bush represents in the House of Representatives. Within hours. Bans abortion. With a statement out from the Attorney General. One state gone dark. Texas going dark. Utah, Idaho going dark. South Dakota going dark. Iowa going dark. Kentucky, Tennessee going dark. It's not a joke. It's here. And they have turned to ever more crazy and crazy people. Pushed ever more wilder conspiracy theories. integrating anti-mask, anti-vax into their mainstream platform within 2020, they've gone about doing this. They've gone about doing this. They have appointed ever more extreme judges throughout the Trump administration, just ramming through as many incompetent people as they possibly can that are just going to do whatever Facebook memes and the donors tell them to do to own the libs. How did the national vaccine mandate to travel on airplanes come down? Well, it was a Florida judge that was appointed by Mitch McConnell and the Republican Senate signed off on by Donald Trump who the American Bar Association said they are completely and totally incompetent and should not serve as a judge. And what is she doing? Sitting as a judge in Florida. And tsh, that's her opinion. Unconstitutional. Based on what? I don't know. I don't like it. They are the minority view in the country. They, Republicans, have not won but one popular vote in 2004 since 1988. That's almost 40 years ago. 2000, Al Gore won the election. We know that in terms of popular vote. We know that in terms of electoral college. That was the real start of all this madness. We let that shit slide. 
And by we, I mean the Nancy Pelosi's, I mean the Chuck Schumer's, the Joe Biden's, the Barack Obama's, the Hillary Clinton's, the Elizabeth Warren's. Let that shit slide. 2004. Able to win over John Kerry. Just, oh my gosh. But 2008. Lost the popular vote. 2012. Lost the popular vote. 2016. Lost the popular vote. 2020. Lost the popular vote. 1996. Lost the popular vote. 1992. Lost the popular vote. And yet, they have been able to stack the court, the Supreme Court, and the courts throughout the nine circuits with reactionary, insane judges that are willing to put reactionary Republican ideology into action. And as they get more desperate for power, they are going to cater more and more to their base. And we're already starting to see this. Many in the pro, in the in the quote unquote pro life movement, there are, there are threads now out on on Twitter, talking about how they can't push for criminalization of women because it's politically disadvantageous to them, because it's politically inconvenient for them, and that's the only reason why. Because if you genuinely believe that a fetus is a child, is a sentient being worthy of the protection of the full force of the law, why wouldn't you prosecute mothers who have miscarriages? Why wouldn't you prosecute anyone who terminated a pregnancy that they didn't want? Not just the doctors. Why not charge the mother? If you think that's not coming, oh man. Oh man. Come 2024, 2026, they're going to be pushing for that. If not, here very soon. And the question is, what are people going to do as they get more desperate to a government that is either totally disinterested with an ideological project dead set on the government unable to correct the issues within our society? that are caused mainly by capitalism and racism and misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, and historic economic and social inequalities, not to mention the material conditions of today, but with a Democratic Party who is fundamentally disinterested in solving any of that, they just want to see their name in lights. They want to stand behind the podium and have the Barack Obama moment and be on Time Magazine. They want to have the Good Morning America interviews. They want to have the viral Facebook and Twitter videos. That's what they want. They want to have the donors, particularly after this Supreme Court case involving Ted Cruz, they want to be able to use these campaign funds afterwards for personal gain. That's the idea. This is money for them. This is a joke. This is a game. This is just a job. And they're going to do anything they can 
in order to try and keep that job for as long as possible. And they're going to spin any kind of narrative in the world because they know that they are the only people with the power to do anything about it. But they're fundamentally not going to because either A, they don't believe it or B, they are being advised and have the worldview that if they actually went about trying to fix it, that either A, they would be somehow tossed out in some landslide election, which has happened. I don't even know how many different times the Democrats now after they refuse to take power seriously and actually deliver the promises that they made. 2010, I'm looking at you. 2012, I'm looking at you. 1996 i'm looking at you 1994 i'm looking at you but what are people going to do as they realize that their government is incapable of solving their problems as the economic situation due to the sanctions and the wholesale economic exhumation of russia from the global economy what are they going to do as help from the federal government dwindles, reactionaries take power, and it seems that Democrats refuse to do anything to improve their material conditions, let alone protect constitutional rights or civil liberties. In the past, populations give fascism a try, and we just had dress rehearsal about 17 months ago. On January 6th of 2021, we had dress rehearsal in Bush v. Gore. That was the entire legal apparatus was this idea behind Bush v. Gore that George H.W. Bush stacked the court. Ronald Reagan stacked the court for George W. Bush, and they were able to get him the presidency, even though he lost the popular vote and the Electoral College. So we lost the Electoral College and the popular vote. And this time we got a right wing militant junta and paramilitaries on our side with wild conspiracy theories that we've been spinning for decades now on our side. Let's do it. Let's try to overthrow the U.S. government again. Why not? We did it 20 years ago. That was the legal thinking. That, that was a part of the thinking behind people like Giuliani, behind people like Donald Trump, behind people like Eastman. And the question is, what are people going to do as they become more desperate, as they realize government is not going to solve any of their problems? They're going to take the tax cuts. They're going to take the deregulation. They're going to take the privatization and accept it as freedom. Not because it's the right argument, not because it works, but because it is the only project that is actually making change in their lives. And people like Mitt Romney and other Republicans are willing to play ball on eliminating welfare as we know it. And we're going about endorsing the child tax payments. Republicans could ban abortion and go about actually making permanent those payments. Even if they go about means testing them, they can make those payments permanent. Probably win an election because they know how to message. And as people become more desperate and as people look around and begin to realize, yo, this government is not going to do anything for us. Democrats are not going to do anything. 
how long is it going to take for the American people to give fascism a try? They already did in 2016. And Joe Biden's poll numbers are not getting off the floor. Democrats' poll numbers are not getting off the floor. And what is at stake fundamentally is the idea that government is or the idea that government can do anything or even should. They're just taking more of my money and don't provide me anything. Because to be honest with you, that's the God honest truth. The United States in terms of taxes, in terms of social benefits and programs that are returned is paltry, is insulting, laughable compared to what is done in Europe, in Japan, in Canada. Fascism is here. It's serious. And playing chicken with fascists and the American people who are in incredibly desperate financial straits. Desperate straits in terms of life getting better. Not having to struggle, being able to go to college, being able to have a decent career. To not be in constant anxiety that you could end up in a car or on the street with one wrong move. What are people going to do in exchange? What are people willing to vote for in exchange for the idea that that suffering could stop? They were willing to vote in Donald Trump. They were willing to vote in Joe Biden. And even after January 6th, there is still an extraordinary possibility that Donald Trump becomes the next president of the United States. It's not a game. It's not a game. And if Democrats think it is, they're just playing themselves.